You are listening to Stitchwish Radio, a podcast for crafting your own magic and threads. I'm your host, textile artist, author, and teacher, Christy Johnson. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Stitchwish Radio. This week, I want to talk about working seasonally, embracing the shift, since no matter how hard we fight against it, winter is coming. Even if you live in a temperate climate, the seasons are shifting. Even if you're in a different hemisphere, the seasons are shifting. It's time to take a look at the next few months and dream up how they look and make decisions to move towards that vision. Now, I'm sharing these intentions for this seasonal shift, not because this is what I usually do. I'm not like, oh, every three months I'm going to decide exactly what happens. But because I usually end up halfway through December, like, what even was it that I wanted to do with this season? So I'm writing it in stone, or rather recording it on a podcast, to remind myself to do so, and also because I wish someone reminded me, so hopefully I can remind you. First off, dreaming up and moving towards a new vision, this podcast is going to now be released every other Monday from now on. Um, I have some very exciting interviews coming up, but I kind of want to have more time to plan in between episodes. Um, Like I said in previous episodes, this is the first time I've done anything on a weekly basis for this long in, well, ever. (laughs) Um, And it's been so much fun, but I always feel rushed to get the next episode back out. So I want to give it a little more time in between episodes. Um, So back to dreaming up the next few months, back to moving towards a greater vision for winter. So what does this look like applied to life? Um, Many different ways. So first for me, that looks like Dealing with the garden, harvesting the last of the vegetables, um, picking apples. I'm in New York State. Apple picking is like one of the great joys of living here. Um, Also picking any culinary or medicinal herbs that we want to have on hand through the winter. So like oregano, lemon balm, um, red raspberry leaf, mugwort. Um, That's on my list for what to pick this week. (laughs) So I kind of need to make sure that I've harvested enough for at least the next six to nine months or so. Now, this whole like herb harvesting thing is very specific to my situation because I have enough space to harvest and store a ton of stuff. But keep in mind that having all of that space came from giving up living in a town or living in a city where I could easily just take a quick walk to go buy some oregano or some lemon palm. So it's all about little trade-offs. So when I'm getting this vision, I also like to get a vision on my studio. So thinking up what I want to be making over the next few months and thinking of how I can set myself up for that to be a smooth process. So what I need to put away that I won't be needing, what I need to bring out that I will be needing. So even though the storage in the basement for herbs and other harvests is totally unending, my studio space is not never ending. (laughs) So I really find it super helpful to put away what isn't needed. So for example, my natural dyeing supplies are going to get washed out, they're going to get brought inside, um, and they're going to get stacked up and just put away. Um, One year I left a pot of indigo out, just, you know, I'll deal with it later sort of a thing. And next thing I knew, we had an unexpected deep frost and I had forgotten about the indigo pot and it totally busted out the bottom of one of my big fancy pots. Um, so now this pot has a big rounded bottom and it can't really be used on a heat source because it doesn't sit stably and nothing is worse than a unstable pot of really hot water. (laughs) 
So just starting to think about like, okay, how can I set myself up in a way where next year when I want to go and start dyeing stuff again, I don't have to clean out all my my materials. I don't have to wonder where they are. I don't have to wonder what condition they're in. Um, Speaking of natural dyes, before I put all of those dye pots away, I want to make sure I do any last and final dyeing for the winter. So for me personally, on my list is dyeing some wool fabric with the infinite marigolds that are going wild out there right now. (laughs) And I also want to dye any of the leftover Japanese indigo that hasn't gone to seed yet. So I'm growing Japanese indigo, uh, Persicaria tinctoria, and so I'm going to try and make sure I can use up as much of it as possible um, since it's just going to die in the next frost anyways. Oh, that also reminds me. (laughs) If you're growing indigo, I will remind you also. Um, And you live in an area with a frost, like in New York. Try and dig up a few plants, bring them inside, and let them go to seed if they have not already. That's a really good thing to take care of when you are growing something that you want to grow next year. Um, So what else am I looking at for how the winter is going to look at, what what I'm going to be making. I'm starting to envision what projects I want to get into, what materials I want to put on top of the table. And, you know, on top of the table basically means like the top of my to-do list. You know, my, t- my tabletop is my visual to-do list. So the projects that I know I want to focus on are, you know, the first and the easiest is the knit hat that I tend to pull out every December. I'm just go, oh, I'm going to knit this up this winter. Um, and then I end up putting it away every April. <laughs> it's this giant chunky knit hat that could be knitted up in literally just a few hours, yet it has taken me years because I never have the foresight to pull the hat out a little bit earlier in the season. So I'm definitely going to pull that yarn out, pull that knitting project out and get going with it. I also want to work on my hand hooked rug. So I began <laughs> this giant hand hooked rug okay it's not giant it's like three feet by six feet Um, but for a beginner rug rug hooking project it's pretty ambitious Um, I started it in the spring of 2020 um, because of the 10,000 hobbies I already have Um, I didn't feel that any of them were um, 2020 enough and I needed to find a new distraction like deep distraction (laughs) so I started rug hooking The pleasure of rug hooking is also because it's an amazing use of scrap yarns. And as I previously mentioned, my knitting is not very fast. I do not knit very much at all. It's kind of frustrating for me, but I do love yarn um, and I have amassed quite a bit of a collection of yarn. So rug hooking is a way that I can like use that yarn pretty rapidly, especially once I've realized at this point in my adult life that like, I'm not that good at knitting. Like, I'm never going to knit a sweater again, probably. I have a knitting machine, but I don't necessarily enjoy using it. There's not really a whole lot of joy in knitting for me. It's just this, like, thing that needs to get done. I need a new hat, so I will knit my hat. All of my other knitting projects I will purchase from other makers or (laughs) I will purchase them secondhand. Besides being really good at using up a lot of yarn, um, the real beauty and like what I really find joyful about rug hooking is that it's actually very warming, like physically keeps me warm. So the tool that I use for rug hooking, it's hard to describe, but it basically looks like a pair of giant handled scissors. And so you take one side in each hand and you alternate pushing and pulling with your arms. It's called a Parisian rug hook. 
And judging from the antique box, it came from Sears. So I don't know how Parisian it is. But basically, it's this full on upper body workout where you're just like shifting back and forth and back and forth and back and forth this tool with your hands. And it reminds me of what they say about firewood. They say it keeps you warm twice, once when you're making it and again when you use it. And so I really hope to get back into rug hooking again. Um, it also, you know, it warms up my shoulders and my back, which are two areas of my body that are constantly very tight. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait to get my rug back out and maybe finish it this year. <laughs> but um, this idea of this inner fire, this like keeping warm, this is another habit I've had to learn to start including in my autumn and, rent- autumn and winter rituals. So the stoking of the inner fire. Many years ago, I took a class with a local woman on stoking your own inner fire through whatever, um, you know, certain physical moves that you're making and kind of keeping a inner core and how much how that actually protects you, not only your organs, protects your bones, protects your joints, keeping yourself warm and learning how to do that um, with the way that you're moving, um, you know, moving slowly and intentionally, not trying to do these fast jerking motions. Like I'm not going to do a vinyasa yoga class in the middle of winter (laughs) unless I have spent hours warming up. Another class I took on warming. I know you shouldn't have to like take this many classes on being warm, but as you've probably heard a thousand times before, I was born in South Florida. So like I've been trying to figure out how to cool off my entire life. Anyways, I also did a class last year with Liz Migliarelli from the herb shop called Sister Spinster. She did a class on tending the hearth. um, And that was a really beautiful combination of storytelling and just sort of like inner fire and tea blends um, and this this theme of keeping the light going on inside, keeping the cold at bay and finding the little wick within to keep lit both physically and emotionally. And so in that way, my emotional fire stays lit with storytelling. My springs and summers have been so full of plants and being outdoors and growing things that by the time October comes, I am ready to visit worlds so entirely different than the one that I'm in, (laughs) which is good because the world that I'm in is ready to turn into something so entirely different than the one I've known for months. I will soon be staring at a vision of dead leaves and skeletal trees and the residue of life sucked dry by the bitter cold. But eventually this death gets covered in snow white, blank slate, ready for new stories to be written, new tales to be told, and new seeds to be planted. So that's basically it. Preparing for the shift in season by putting away what won't be needed, setting up my space in a way that makes it easy to take care of what I want to focus on, and getting back into the habit of stoking the fire. Whether that fire looks like keeping myself warm with a hot bath or some hot tea or a kitchen dance party and some wool socks (laughs) or which will happen pretty much all winter literally feeding the wood stove all day and through the night so if stoking your inner fire for you looks like getting deeper into your own creative process be sure to check out my magic threads online embroidery course before it closes tomorrow Um, Embroidery is the perfect craft for sitting in front of the fire, telling stories through stitches and visualizing dreams, transforming them into works of art. 
This isn't just a class on stitches. It's not just about learning how to do the stitches. It's all about building up a creative practice, figuring out the infinite potentials for how to express through these stitches, figuring out new ways of using these stitches. Um, it's really perfect for tuning inwards and keeping your inner fire lit. So just a reminder at the end here that this podcast will now be every other week so I can have a little more time to plan um, and I can get some really fun interviews going. You guys are going to be excited about what I've got coming up. Um, so thank you so much for tuning in and I will be back in two weeks. Bye.